Welcome to the Hurricane Center podcast, produced by the Storm Science Network and part of the National Tropical Weather Conference. This podcast is made possible by USAA, the South Padre Island Convention and Tourist Bureau, and Plylock's Hurricane Clips. Today we have the honor of having the director of the National Hurricane Center, Ken Graham. Uh, uh, Ken was promoted into that position several years ago after leading the New Orleans Baton Rouge office through a multitude of disasters, including the Deepwater Horizon uh, oil rig disaster, uh, Hurricanes Gustav, Ike, and Isaac. Uh, before he started his career in the Weather Service, he managed to get degrees from uh, out west at Arizona State and at Mississippi State, uh, where he did a little broadcasting before coming to the Weather Service. He's had many uh, management jobs uh, in his uh, career in the Weather Service, all of which have helped prepare him for the unique challenges that come up the National Hurricane Center. He had Dorian uh, and Imelda last year, and he had Michael and Florence before, so he's been well well baptized into the new job. So, Ken, what's happening in your world now? I'll tell you, Bill, thanks for that introduction. It's great seeing you. And Alex and Tim, thanks for having me on, on this show. It's just absolutely uh, amazing to, to be here. But yeah, think about it. My my two years here, this is my third season. Uh, Florence, Michael, Dorian, and um, lots of others. It's uh, yeah, it's been a, a, a busy couple of years, and, and it looks like a, the official NOAA forecast coming out here soon. Everybody's seen the other forecast, looking at another busy season. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be continuing to be busy, Bill. So, so we're going to move on to the presentation today, it looks like. Um, I wanted to, to, to give a shout out to Dan Brown. Uh, Dan Brown's our warning coordination meteorologist here at the National Hurricane Center. Through the miracle of technology, uh, Dan will be sharing his screen and running the slides as I get to be here in my office. Uh, Bill, you recognize this office. You were, you were here and you can see the hurricane shutters I've got shut just to keep the, the light out. But anyway, we've got um, the, the shutters down here, but wanted to get into a, a different presentation today. Again, thanks for having me on. Um, and it was interesting looking at this season and I don't know why, I guess the older I get, the more reflective I get. I start looking at the past and start looking at, you know, different storms. We always talk about you can't compare storms, but there's sure lessons. I mean, you look back at the last 27 years working in so many different tropical systems. I mean, I, I, what I did was I jotted down my, my, I don't know, top 10 lessons, lessons learned over the years. So that's what I wanted to get get through today and, and talk about some of these things. I think some are recent, some go way back, some are more well-known than others. So we're gonna get, get to it here. It's pretty interesting. I did wanna show you behind the scenes of our hurricane wall. I mean, this is something a, a lot of you uh, uh, see in the past. You've been able to see some of the tracks and, and it was only uh, only about a month ago. We still had last year up on here, the magnets and all the different storms in the Atlantic and the Pacific. But the next slide, I will show you that we have uh, cleared the slate. There's Arthur. Uh, we've got that on there. So um, we got some of the, we put the names on there for the Pacific and also the Atlantic. You can see the Atlantic names there. So the board's clear and uh, we're gonna be adding some storms this year. But for last year on the next slide, you'll see it was an active season. We, we've had you know active seasons the, the few years I've been here so far. I mean, 18 named storms in 2019, six of those hurricanes, three major ones. So you can see the tracks right there in the Atlantic, quite a few of them. Dorian, of course, uh, you know, the category five producing catastrophic uh, wind and water damage throughout the Bahamas. 
But there were some others as well that we're going to look at. But remember, here at the Hurricane Center, it's not just the Atlantic. Our coverage area goes from the, the African coast, European coast. And on the next slide, you'll see we cover all the way to 140 degrees west. We go well out into the Pacific as well. So that's a large area that we're covering across the, across the globe, watching for tropical systems and also marine forecasting as well. So let's get into to some of this. Let's go on to the next slide. Lesson number one over the years and this is i don't know it's becoming more of a, a maybe a pet peeve than maybe it should for me but there's no such thing as a fish storm uh here at the hurricane center i, I just covered how large of an area that we do cover all these countries all the countries through the world meteorological organization we work with the countries to coordinate the forecast they issue their watches and warnings based on that forecast so it's a constant communication there's ships out there there's countries they're impacted by these storms even if it doesn't reach the continental United States, we still have territories, we still have other nations that, that we look at. Here's a great example of, of a typical hurricane that would be moving through the Caribbean, headed uh, westward. You can see all the coordination of watches and warnings that take place. There's no such thing as a fish storm. They're, they're still busy for us. On the next one, I think it's interesting to, to, to look at this question. This is one that, Dan, you and I were talking about, and it's, it's, it's one that's really important. Behind Dorian, we, we know the history of Dorian. We know uh, the, the, the devastation to the Bahamas. But in 2019 in the Atlantic Basin, which name storm was the second deadliest of the season? So we have, we have Andrea crossed out there. We have Dorian Circle because we already covered that. So we're looking for number two. So the next slide, we're going to cross some of these things out. Um, you'll be able to see we didn't get to uh, past Sebastian. So those don't count. The next slide, you'll see some others that we cross out. It was Lorenzo. And, and looking at the next slide, you'll see um, you'll see why this is. So let's let's look at it a little closer. So wait a minute now. You look at this going well, Lorenzo. Look how far this was offshore. I mean, it's pretty much between the U.S. and, and Africa. So how could this be? Well, it's interesting. Eleven offshore deaths due to the sinking of the the, the Bourbon Road. Um, three crewmen were rescued. Um, NOAA playing a big part in that rescue with uh, the Tropical Analysis Forecast Branch here at NAC providing some spot forecasts for those areas. In other words, latitude, longitude forecasts and the NOAA Hurricane Hunters performing some search and rescue operations uh, to help rescue those, those crewmen. But here's the thing, on the next one, you put some dots on the map, eight rip current deaths in the United States from Florida to Rhode Island. So here's a storm well out in the Atlantic that's so strong pushing out waves, pushing out swells that can reach the U.S. and cause fatalities all the way across uh, the ocean. For us, there's no such thing as a fish storm. So we definitely wanted to bring that up. Um, here's some of the work that takes takes place, uh, working with uh, Coast Guard, working with the French Navy and search and rescue. Uh, the NOAA hurricane hunters were able to help out. And also our, our crew here at the Hurricane Center, a lot of times people are like, Ken, you know, what do you guys do when there's no hurricane? A lot. Um, here's a case that we support during a hurricane, but even year round, the TAFB, the Tropical Analysis Forecast Branch, provides spot forecasts, wind and waves, swells. They're constantly watching the oceans to put out that forecast. You'll see on the next one, really what I'm talking about, how we keep the, the offshore safe. You know, we always see the map with the aircraft, all the aircraft in, in the sky. Well, this is ships. I mean, look at all these ships at any, any given time. Lots of people, uh, there, there's oil rigs, there's ships all over the, the oceans. The next slide uh, really tries to, to, to show you what, what we try to do. So on the left is ship traffic before Dorian. On the right, on the next slide, that's avoidance. They're getting out of the way. So our job is to make sure we get these ships out of the way. You can clearly see uh, what happens there. So moving on to the, the next slide, 
And Dan, I definitely appreciate you running the show here. Look at some of the comments um, back. I mean, you could just see them pop in. Um, you know, spot forecast received, they're getting the information that they need for a search and rescue. It really helps out. And that is year round. Look at all of them. There were so many of them just last year alone. Each one of those little geographic symbols there is, an, is a, a spot forecast issue by TAFB. So kudos to, to them and appreciate all, all of that work. So that worked out uh, perfect. So that was lesson one. No such thing as a fish storm. Lesson two. Be careful looking at your favorite model. I mean, I think I think some people watching today have maybe heard me say some of this before, but I think it's really important that, that we review it again. Look, here's some quotes that, that I always hear. And Bill, I know you've heard these too. I think we've all heard these. How about this? Oh, yes. All those lines miss me. Well, we're good. Or, oh, no, one of those lines hits me in 10 days or this model was best last time. Those are common quotes that we hear. So let's take a look at this uh, real quick as lesson two. I think it's interesting to be able to look at. So here's some data. Incredible leaps in track forecasting over the years. Uh, you know, a real true scientific success. So if you look at, look at this graph, the steeper the slope, you know, the, the more trouble with the forecast, the worse the, the, the track forecasting is. You can see through the decades, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s. It's incredible how far we've come when it really looks at uh, the forecast for track. This is the track forecast period going out uh, through time. Unbelievable improvements in, in the track. So we're getting we're getting better and better. And, and I think that reflects in our forecast. Uh, the next one. I mean, you know, the computing power is getting stronger, but the point I want to make with lesson two is if you compare the National Hurricane Center with the global models, you, by the way, we do it here for 2017 and 2018, you could go back decades and, and you can see the same consistency with this, that we're more skillful. The National Hurricane Center forecast is more skillful than any of the models. And so if you look at the actual chart here, the, the black line is the NHC forecast. It's better than the models. You'll, you'll have some crossings every once in a while. It usually has to do with a, a troublesome storm that's a little more difficult to forecast. But if you think about it, you know we're beating the models. The next one, you'll see even looking at 2019 um, last year, uh, what we were neck and neck with the, the European model at the, the, the beginning. You can see the very beginning, uh, days one and two, very, very close. But then NAC is more skillful days three, four, and five. So if you take 17 through 19, you, on the right slide there, the right one, you can see we're beating the models every single time. And I think this is really important because especially you start going further out in time, we start looking at all the spaghetti plots as you'll see um, coming up on some of these, these graphs. Um, we're beating the models. So I think that's a good takeaway. You have an official forecast. Uh, we're putting that forecast out. We're going to look at the next one, Dan. Um, and I think this is an important one, too. This this deals with the, the quote that I had up there about, well, this mo model was good last time. This is the model I use. It depends on the storm. You, you actually go look at the data and look at the models, um, how they perform in each given storm. It varies. It varies storm to storm. Sometimes you'll have one model good in this storm and then the next one it's not as good this is a really important point because in each given storm you can't just say the model always this model always performs the best i'm going to use this one it actually varies uh, depending on the storm so we go to the next one what's the takeaway here um i think it's an important one you know we always hear about the spaghetti plots and, and that sort of thing they're all over we're always going to find the one line that that gets close to us if we're one of those that uh, are, are ready to act and if one of those that are optimistic you'll find the one line that doesn't reach us look we got 170 years 
of combined experience here at NAC. Real proud of that. And, uh, you know, our, our forecast beats the models every single time. Uh, we've got you covered. We're working it. We've got the errors built in with the cone. Um, that's what we're here for. So that's a takeaway there. Otherwise, I tell you, finding every single line that hits you eventually makes it very a very stressful hurricane season. So the next one, uh, we'll go on to some of the data. Uh, you know, I talked about the forecast getting better when we start looking at uh, the actual forecast error with track. Look over time. I mean, it's interesting to watch the, the slope downward. You want that downward slope um, headed towards the, the, the right side of the slide here. That means the forecast track's getting better. In 2019, you're going to have some bounces, uh, 24 and 48 hour track, slightly slightly up in 2019. There's usually a few storms that, that cause that. But overall, we have a trend that, that keeps getting better. And that's exactly what we want. And it's, and it's an interesting thing to, to really look at uh, with these models. Even if you get the little bounces, you're getting better with time. And look at the extended. You still look at that 120-hour forecast and look how much progress has been done in, in the extended forecast. That, that's pretty impressive. So track is getting, getting pretty good. The next one, appreciate you, Dan, keeping up here with all this. So let's look at last year. One thing about the Hurricane Center is interesting. We will share um, what we're doing well, and we'll share places that, that aren't going so well. We're very open with all the data. We got nothing to hide, and, and we really like to share it because we get uh, feedback and we get research that gets back into this operation uh, to make the forecast better. But we start off really, really good. I mean, look at this, a good start. Um, to it. You had a five-year average there. Uh, the red lines, the lower, uh, the better, the less error. That's what we want. And, you know, Aaron and, you know, Gabrielle was a little bit above the five-year average. So we start off pretty good. I mean, that's, that's a great track record there. But look what happens towards the end. It's interesting when you get these, these late-season high-latitude storms that the models really struggle with. Look what happened with uh, Pablo and uh, Sebastian, large, large errors. And that's associated with just being you know, somewhat of a hybrid, high latitude, the model struggled with it. So that's gonna skew all the data uh, for the year. So just very open with how hard some of these storms are to forecast. So next one, we'll see this. I think this is interesting to, to look at. This is, um, you know, it's a forecast success. This was Hurricane Florence, you know, a few years back. And if you look at all the, the Hurricane Center forecasts, the, the models were on it, we were on it, just absolutely uh, not a lot of error associated with the track forecast in uh, Florence. These are your five-day forecasts. And the next one's interesting. And when you look out, this is back to the cautionary trail. Uh, the white line with the dots, that's our forecast. But if you look at those, the blue lines there, the ones that recurve, those are the six and seven day uh, forecasts based on the models. So we're able to sort through that and actually correct for those type of things. But when you start using the raw models, these are the type of things that, that make it very difficult, especially in the extended period. And why this is important? Well, you know, six or seven days out, if you're going into a holiday weekend and you see that recurvature, you may have a false sense of security with something like that when indeed Florence came on in. So that's something that's always a, a big lesson when it comes to the modeling. Okay, we're gonna look at the next one. Um, you can see some of the points I'm trying to make. And, and in the end, I guess the question becomes, I always like to ask, why does it matter? Well, it matters because the better we can do with the track forecast, uh, the better we can do um, help with the decision makers. This is your three-day forecast cone in 1990. And the next slide, you're going to see uh, the updated one. And this goes back a few years and we keep getting it smaller and smaller every year. That's that's the 2018 cone. So the better we can do with the track forecast, the smaller the cone. And think about it, three days out, if we can have fewer people um, that, that have to take massive actions, that's, that's better. That's a better process and that helps people out. So the smaller the cone, that's what we want. But we'll get into it here in a little bit. The smaller 
the cone, the more impacts outside that cone. But that's another lesson coming up, a little teaser there. Okay, so the next one. Let's get into the next lesson. Lesson three, you know, this is, this is it. It's all about the impacts. I, I've been one that constantly um, talks about this. I know the Hurricane Center here uh, for at least a decade or more has really spent a lot of time to say it's about the impacts. It's not necessarily just about that, um, about the forecast track. And I, I just give you some examples here. It's all about the impacts. So what, what I have here is, is a good way to, to show it. So if you look at the forecast cone, uh, the left one, there's, there's your cone. You know, you can picture a track right here, there in the middle. Look at the size of the storm. It's well outside that, that center. It's well outside the cone. And on the right side, same thing, the wind field. If you look at the wind field there, that's depicted in the orange little blob um, all over Florida, stretching up into Georgia and South Carolina, that's the wind. And that wind is well outside that, that cone. And we start looking at the next slide. There's so many examples. I really could come up with slide upon slide. So I just tried to pick some of the main uh, impacts. The left one here is the storm surge. So look at the storm surge values on, on the east coast of Florida, going up to Georgia and also South Carolina. Look how far away uh, from that, that cone. And this is an important fact because that's reflective of the wind field. When the wind field is at large, you get that onshore flow and get some of that storm surge. So what an important point that, that we have to make here. And on the right side, that's your rainfall. And you see the track there um, versus where the rainfall is. And a lot of it, once again, is well away from the track. So what a lesson. This is about the impacts, not necessarily just about that, that cone, not necessarily just about the forecast, but it truly is about the impacts. And the weather forecast offices along the coast have graphics. These are important. Everybody watching, these are all on the websites of the forecast offices use these things. That's what they're there for. You can use them in your briefings. You can use them in your planning. Um, it takes every different one of these impacts and, and starts looking at the threat of each. And I think that's something that um, everybody could use. So that's one that I definitely wanted to highlight here. You can look at the impact. You can look at uh, how great of a threat that is. So lots of, lots of uh, impacts and we have lots of ways to be able to, to show people these things. So let's look at something. I think this is an interesting one uh, Dan put this together. We've had a lot of discussion on, on this next group of slides. So here's your five-day error. Let's, let's say there, there's a hurricane headed our way. So you have the five-day, there's your four-day cone. You start narrowing it down in three days, there's your three-day cone. And the next one, you got your two-day cone. And the next one, one day out, you'll start getting your one-day cone. So you get smaller and smaller as we get closer in. So, but let's, let's look at what it, how this matters, because here's a typical, let's take this storm here. This is a two-day cone, and you run it. Remember, the cone is, is where the actual center of the storm could be two-thirds of the time. Well, that could leave one-third of the time outside the cone. So two-thirds of the time, that center could be anywhere in there. So let's just say, let's just say the center moves well left, right on the edge of the cone. And that's this first example here. So what happens then? Well, everybody gets different impacts, if you think about it. So you think about what happens to the right-hand side. You think about on the left-hand side, different impacts. Let's go through these, Dan, and we'll be able to explain them. So let's think about a storm that runs right in the middle. Now, all of a sudden, your impacts, your impacts of storm surge, that shifts too. These small movements of this storm can make big differences on the ground. And I've seen examples. I think what Irma's one of them, that 30 or 40 miles makes the difference in, in two foot of storm surge versus about 10 foot of storm surge on the west coast of Florida. And here's your other example. You start getting on, on the other side. Remember, and the next one, uh, Dan's got the three X's or the, that I put on here. Your impacts at each one of these locations changes greatly with these small shifts 
in the storm. These are all within the era. All of these forecasts are not too bad if you look at any one of these forecasts, but the actual impacts uh, to these points that I point out, and you know, lots of them, right? There's there's hundreds, if not thousands, of X's because it, you know every point has a different impact. So if you go on the further on the right side, that's more storm surge, that's more wind up there in the outer banks of the, the Carolinas. If you get further off uh, to the left, that's more impacts for the X there in Georgia. And by the way, that X inland, the reason I put that one there is just because you're not on the coast doesn't mean you won't see the big impacts. There could be wind, there could be rainfall, and, and a lot of flooding, even that X right there on the, the South Carolina, North Carolina border. So that's an important one to remember because after every storm, everybody has a different perception of what happened. But we have to get the information out there that small, small changes make a big difference on the, on the ground, and that's why the preparedness part of this is is so incredibly important so wanted to make that that point on this one and there's the storm continuing to move um, in different directions so well, takeaway here here's a takeaway this is an important one so it's all about the impacts here's proof um, category five category four yes absolutely devastating but look at the data here since 2010 in the united states cat one hurricanes have caused 175 direct deaths and 105 billion dollars worth of damage in other words, it doesn't have to be those big storms. It could be a tropical storm. And Bill, you and I have talked about it. There's no such thing as just a, just a tropical storm, a just a uh, Cat 1. Look, it's about the impacts. Listen to those. A slow tropical storm can produce devastating rainfall. Even a, a slow category uh, 1, a large one, can produce a lot of storm surge. I've seen, you go back to Hurricane Isaac, very large storm, but because moving so slow, you got a 10 to 12 foot storm surge out of a cat one. See what I'm saying? So size matters, direction matters, uh, speed matters. A lot goes into this besides the actual category. So this is one to to remember uh, for everybody. So hopefully that helps uh, with uh, with that lesson there. So lesson four. Um, wow, social science matters. This is one near and dear to me. I, you know, I always like to say, and I think others have said it too. Um, you know, a perfect forecast is fine, but if it's not understood and actionable then there's still a failure here, right? We have to be able to, to communicate. We have to communicate in ways that people understand. And we've done some things about it. These are new graphics. This one here is, is one of the examples of, uh, you know, when are, the when are the winds gonna be getting here? I mean, that, that's one of the most common questions we get before the storms. When's it gonna get here? Well, then we listen to that and we work with social scientists and physical scientists to put together graphics. And this one here is the actual timing and when you can expect those tropical storm force winds. Why does that matter? Well, when those winds arrive, it's too dangerous to be holding plywood outside. It's too dangerous to be up on your roof preparing or or trying to board up or, or do whatever preparations that, that you have. If there's tropical storm force winds, it's too dangerous to be outside. So we try to give everyone an idea when those winds are going to arrive. And look, this takes into account the track, the size, the intensity, all those uncertainties are built into this so, so it doesn't change too much uh, with the forecast time. So let's look at a few more of these because this is an important topic to me, getting these together. Uh, also, the, the, so much work went into the storm surge forecasting. Remember I, I talked about it's about the impacts, not necessarily about the category and the storm surge, you know, causing historically half the fatalities in these tropical systems. 
these graphics right here, social scientists, physical scientists, um, the people that make the decisions, all sitting around the table figuring out how do we put a graphic together that that's well understood. And this is an example of the storm surge wash and warning. And you have the, the values there too to, to help out. Very important to, to look at some of those things. So this is the potential storm surge flooding map. It's really important to look at this because it that's the most dangerous part of the, these hurricanes. So this had social science going into it. The next one, we'll see some more. Um, you know, a lot of debate, you get the scientists in a room, they'll have a debate about this stuff. But what people really want, what we heard in the social science, and, and it makes sense, is when we talk about flooding, how much water is in my house? How much water is up my pant leg? They, that's how you describe it. And they don't have to convert all the datums. They don't have to convert everything. This is the way they want it. And that's why we try to try to show it this way, um, based on social science. The next one, just wanted to, to pass on a few of these. Um, Dr. Laura Myers did some research, and this was after Michael, and asked the question, you know, really looking at, you know, how, you know, what, what makes you want to leave or, or not leave? What are you looking at? And it's pretty interesting to get the data because it supports what we, the work we have to do with social science. And, and these were the top four. These were the top four answers. The top one, past experience. In other words, I'm making my decision based on what uh, what's happened in the past. And I, and I can tell you, uh, I guess, you know, 27 years of doing this and, you know, talking to a lot of people along the way, uh, people base their risk on their past experience. And, and the problem is every storm is different. Just because it didn't happen last time doesn't mean it can't happen next time. Those are very, very important things to, to really consider. So past experience, not always the, the, the best thing to, to use here. Listen to those impacts. Every one of these is different. Um, you know, you hear things like they always turn and, and things like that. Well, they might have in the past, but it doesn't mean the next one will. Track forecast or the cone. So we're still very focused on that, that track, so focused on that cone. We have a lot of work to do to, to keep telling people in, in you know, shows like this and getting out there and telling people we have a lot of impacts outside that cone. And that's why we, we've got more work to do with that. The storm intensity goes back to uh, Justa. And I can tell you there will never be a, a hurricane just uh, as Bill, you know, and the World Meteorolo Meteorological Organization, we have we have something to do with the names and we're not going to have a just a, I, I guarantee you that not on my watch. So we, we got to watch this one because people still focus on, on the intensity. And, 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 you know, you have a storm that goes from a I'll use a real example, Florence going from a cat four to a cat two and eventually a one. That's not time to let your guard down. It's still a large storm. And actually, it's interesting that the storm surge forecast and the rainfall forecast, neither one of those things changed at all based on the, the wind uh, weakening with that storm. And we don't even like to use the word weakening. We just say the winds have gone from this to this because we don't want to take away from those, those impacts. So you can see how the social science plays in here. And the last one's the actual hurricane warning. Remember that's tied to the wind. So there's other things, there's more work that we have to do. And I'll show you what we're doing about this in a little bit. Uh, the next one, I just wanted to share some other research. I think I shared this uh, uh, with everybody before, but I think it's still important, this Yale University um, study that went out. This is, this is the, the, what we deal with when it, when it comes to putting out the information and what the decision makers have to deal with when it comes to evacuation. There, I'll just cover the, uh, the top, middle, and bottom. There, there's a group of people that are the first out. 
I mean, you, you have the first storm out there, they're gone. They're out of here. Um, you have some that, you know, like, well, it didn't happen last time. We're going to wait. I want to wait and see if it turns. I'm going to wait a little longer. And, and there's also some that won't leave. They have other constraints. They just can't leave whatsoever. They have economic reasons and uh, a lot of other reasons they can't leave. This is this is who we're dealing with, and everybody fits into these 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 categories. There's a lot of barriers to evacuation. So those are the studies that that we like to look at to help with the messaging. And we spend so much time on key messaging to really help communicate those risks. I think that's a really important one. And the next couple are just a couple uh, quotes. I won't go. Won't spend too much time on them. Um, public perception is, is everything. And here's just some examples. You can read through them. I don't have to read through them all. Um, you know, I live 100 miles from the coast. I didn't expect this. Well, you know, the, the tropical system is not just coastal. You can have impacts well inland. Never didn't happen before. I'm fine. You can see all the quotes that we um, have over time. I like the other one, the middle one too. I thought these floods came uh, once in 100 years. You hear the, you know, people talk about the 100 year storm. I, I just want to really talk about that because that's a 1% chance of, of having flooding. That doesn't sound like much. I mean, you think about uh, 1% chance, that's not that much, but that's 1% chance every year. Every In every point, it's got another 1% chance. That's also one in 100 chance every year. That doesn't sound like much, but if I change that, those numbers to, it's around 26% chance of flooding in your 30-year mortgage, that's got your attention. And by the way, all those were saying the same thing. Uh, the next slide, I got a few more um, quotes here. I won't cover them too much. The one I want to cover really is the bottom one. This is an important one, and we actually have a study going on looking at this one. Um, the forecast changes. Things change. It, it gets updated. Remember, we talked about uh, the errors in, in the further out period. It was nothing when I looked a few days ago. Well, things changed, and, and things could rapidly change. So uh, this is called anchoring. It's a social science term called anchoring. There's a tendency to look at the forecast and then make your decisions based on it and not look again. So really, we all have to work together to really communicate. Keep looking at those updates. Things change, and we have to really be mindful of that. Thanks for joining us on Hurricane Center, produced by the Storm Science Network and made possible by USAA, South Padre Island Convention and Tourist Bureau, and Plylux Hurricane Clips. You can find other episodes on HurricaneCenterLive.com.